I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everybody, Mike Golick here with a special playoff, NFL playoff and college football championship game edition of Flying Solo. Just really want to talk about the title game in college football and the NFL playoffs this past weekend, just because, hey, I need an outlet to talk about it. <laughs> uh, since I don't really have one anymore, I just look into to chat. Um, what a, you know, let, let's start with the thing that happened the latest, and that was the college football championship in Alabama winning yet another national title. That's seven for Nick Saban. I mean, at this point, Nick Saban is is going to go down. You know, I, I wonder what everybody's opinion is. I'm going to go down as the greatest college football coach of all time uh, with what he is doing. And at 69 years old, uh, he's not talking about being done. He's the first college football coach. It's now is going to hit the $10 million mark, which is incredible. Believe me, he's bringing in a whole lot of money to that school to to help. Uh, but it, it's just amazing what he has done in his time coaching. One, we know one championship, obviously, at LSU, but then the rest at Alabama. And as I said, still going. And uh, I, don't, uh, I, I don't doubt there'll be another one in the near future yet again for him and his school. And he said, you know, when he stops digging it or, you know, he's, he's whatever situation may arise for him where – it's not a good fit with him in Alabama anymore. That's no step away other than that. That man's not going anywhere. Uh, and uh, he, I, I see him doing this for a while. And what they did, uh, I'm taping this the day after, the championship game was was just incredible. I mean, what a, what a season they had. The first time, you know, we, we've seen again because of COVID that all the uh, games were SEC games and they won them all, you know. And uh, it, it, you know, I don't know. I, I think people are going to look back on this year differently. You know, some will say put an asterisk. Some will say it won't mean as much or it shouldn't count as as like a full season. And others will say, hey, this is harder than a full season. I'm not sure where I'm going to fall on this in calling games this year. I know I had to talk with a lot of head coaches in, in production meetings this year. And I, I think... While there's the physical aspect of what they had to do uh, throughout the year of getting tested all the time and making sure that, you know, you knew they were trying to take care of business at their facilities. But then these students, student athletes, I do that with air quotes, um, you know, then had to, were they going to school? Was that school that they have in classes? Were they online? Were they sequestered? You know, were they living with other students? Were they not? Uh, how much were they separated? You know, there's the physical aspect of what they had to go through. I mean, one coach told me during the sea or, or in the preseason, uh, while they were just lifting, that they could only work out one player at a time. I mean, imagine that. Think of a football team where you go in by the dozens and break off into areas and work out mostly by position. This school 
could work out one player at a time. So they would start and go with like our increments would be there at six in the morning till nine at night, seven days straight, just working players out one at a time until you could do it within a group and then with the team. So, so many things that they were dealing with. And understand, I'm only talking about this from a sport side of it. There's the, the obviously the life side of this thing uh, that's been going on, obviously, in our country and around the world with this pandemic, uh, which is which is horrifically horrible. Um, but I'm just talking about it again, understand the context of sports. But uh, to a coach, they all said to me that, that the mental strain, both on the coach and on the players, was the tougher part. And coaches actually said they felt they, you know, when you're a coach, you're not just a coach, you're a coach, you're a father figure, you're a psychologist, a psychiatrist, uh, you're everything. Uh, to these 18 to 22-year-olds, whatever they need, you kind of have to morph to that. And and let's be honest, some coaches are more qualified to be able to handle all that than others. Uh, but they, many coaches, from head coaches to coordinators, said this year more than any others, they felt the players needed more than a coach. They needed someone they could just talk to because there was a lot of you know, tough mental times about being alone and what they were going through and being sequesters, all these new things that everybody was going through. And now they were trying to do football and sports on top of this. So an incredible year. So however you want to phrase it, what you think. I mean, even though it was kind of an odd year, still basically right around the same, you know, type of teams made it. You know, you see Ohio State there, you see Clemson there, you see Alabama there. Notre Dame gets in every now and then. You know, uh, uh, Iowa State was a new team kind of banging on the door this year. Texas A&M as well, Oklahoma making a, a late run. So a lot of the teams weren't different. There still wasn't a group of five, and I don't think there'll be a group of five until they actually expand the playoffs, which I hope they do at some point. So where you want to put this, I mean, that that's completely up to you. But to me, what these players had to go through from practicing, from testing, from being sequestered to try and work out, to physically be ready, to mentally be ready, to have your meetings and your walkthroughs on Zoom, uh, to be able to win all your games like Alabama did and the way they did it is just incredible. And uh, the amount of, of success that they had was amazing. And there were a lot of people, I mean, this was a single-digit you know, spread last night. I think it was eight and a half uh, because of the way Ohio State uh, destroyed Clemson, which I don't think it was surprising that they beat Clemson, though I think some were a little surprised. I was a little surprised, but I think everybody was surprised at the way they destroyed Clemson. So they came into this game, and I think that was a reason it was a single-digit game. And listen, they hung with them early on. And, and also remember, because of covid there was about 20 players for Ohio State, you know, a few of them, I mean, guys that they needed, a couple on the defensive line, a kicker. I mean, they, they definitely were hurt by this, no doubt about it. But I don't think anybody can question that, even with that, Alabama was the better team last night and was going to win this game. And, and you know, the way it started out, you know, you see Alabama get the first score, but you see Ohio State go down to score. They kept going score for score for a short time. You know, to the point where uh, Alabama went up 21-14 and then Ohio State got a field goal, 21-17 in the second quarter. You're like, okay, not bad. But the next 17 points go the way 
of Alabama, and in the third quarter, halfway through, they're up 38-17, to and you could just tell the way the game was going that Alabama had this one in hand. You know, uh, Ohio State did get to within a couple of scores at 38-24, so they were two scores away, but you felt like, man, they were going to need some big, big stuff to happen. Alabama turning the ball over, Ohio State hitting some big plays for them to get back into it. They were going to need a little bit to work into their advantage. And from that point on, it was only Alabama who scored. They took it from 38-24 to 52-24. So absolutely amazing what they were able to do. So you look at the game. And the one thing about Ohio State, and listen, you know, when, when you saw Devontae uh, Smith just absolutely torching Ohio State, 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns, and by the way, all in the first half. One pass went to him early in the third quarter. The ball got knocked out. He hurt his finger, and he was done for the game. So he didn't even didn't even play barely into the third quarter. Those were stats that you could say would be not one great game, but maybe two great games. He did it in a half. And I know one of the big things talked about was what is Ohio State doing? Ohio State defensively understand they're going to play what they play. They feel their guys are good enough to play the defenses that they play. You know, I, I go back to my years, you know, with Buddy Ryan and the type of defense that he ran. And there are certain coordinators that will run it this way, saying, I feel we have guys good enough to play our defense that if we execute, we will win. And sometimes it works, and then sometimes it doesn't. If you're not able to adjust, Bud Carson came in after Buddy Ryan, and Bud Carson did some adjusting, and we were a great defense under Buddy Ryan. And I say we, I use me in there sparingly. It was, you know, we know the stars of that team, the Reggie Whites and Jerome Browns and Seth Joyners of the world. But Bud Carson even tweaked it a little more and made us even better. You see Ohio State, who is good enough to play the defense that they play, certainly in the Big Ten and through their schedule. But they were getting torched by Alabama, and they did not adjust at all. And Alabama, listen, they certainly out-executed them, but that's, that's Ohio State. That's the way they play, and sometimes you eat the bear and sometimes the bear eats you. Now, in Ohio State doing that, most of the time they're going to win. But Ohio State is a team that play, wants to play for a national championship, not just a Big Ten title. And you're, when you get to that caliber of their play against Alabama, you're going to have to make some adjustments and just not say, we feel we're better than you and we line up. Because Alabama just flat out, out-executed them, put Devontae Smith, lined him up all over the field to, to create the matchups they wanted because they knew how Ohio State was going to run their defense. And it was just a bloodletting, an absolute bloodletting of what went on from Mac, Mac Jones throwing for five touchdowns, no interceptions. And I mentioned Devontae Smith, 215 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Najee Harris got two touchdowns uh, as well. So... They just, they were so dominant in this game. And you were waiting for what was Justin Fields going to do. You know, after the monster game he had against Clemson, just one touchdown in this game. We were waiting to see what Trey Sermon was going to be able to do. I talked a lot about him before this game, of how well he played against Clemson, how he destroyed Northwestern. I mean, and this, this is football. Unfortunately, they had a lot of guys out for COVID. Trey Sermon gets one carry. One carry in the game, two yards, and hurts his shoulder, and he is done for the entire game. So that was a huge, huge blow 
to Ohio State. And, you know, we also mentioned this uh, Ohio State defensive line that destroyed the Clemson offensive line. And so I was really looking for the big matchup here against the Alabama O-line, which was the best in the country. They won the Joe Moore Award, voted as the best offensive line in the country. And quite honestly, Alabama took it to them. Now, again, we know that uh, uh, Ohio State was missing some of their defensive linemen. That certainly wasn't going to help them at all. You know, that, that, that hurt their production. But this was Alabama's night. This was Alabama's team. Alabama was the better team. And they, they absolutely smoked him. So Devontae Smith, I mean, I'm so happy he won the Heisman Trophy because they usually give it to a quarterback. And as I said, if a quarterback's not going to win it, a position player has to have an, an otherworldly year. And Devontae Smith had that year and got uh, rewarded as the AP Player of the Year, the Heisman Trophy winner. And he'll go on to help whoever he's going to help, whether it's the Jets at two, maybe Miami at three. He's going to be a high, high draft pick. Uh, it's really amazing what he had done. A couple interesting things in the game, because I'll get into to draft later on, on where, you know, there's Trevor Lawrence, number one quarterback, and then there is a group of quarterbacks. There could be five to six quarterbacks that go in the first round, and that next grouping is going to be interesting how they're graded. But a couple interesting scenarios in this game. Jalen Waddle, the receiver from Alabama, uh, who who had uh, hurt his ankle earlier in the year and had missed the entire rest of the year until this game. And you saw him out there warming up, and you saw him trying to sprint. You saw him with a bit of a limp running straight ahead. And I know a lot of us on Twitter were talking about, okay, man, what what you, we, we all understood as former players, you want to play in this game, and you're going to do everything you can to play in this game. I get it. Listen, I spent, uh, uh, and, and I've said it publicly, I've stuck a, a needle, not me, in all parts of my body to numb things up into place. Some you can do that for, some you can't. Uh, but just, just the point of, and I'm not saying I'm different than others, I'm saying this is what players do. They want to play. And this is now the national championship game. So you know this guy wants to play, and he doesn't look anywhere near 100%. And he was out there playing. And the first catch he had on a crossing route, you saw him go out of bounds, and you saw him limping. You saw him tap and go to the sideline. You thought, okay, He's done. He played even more in that game uh, and ended up with three catches for 34 yards. And I'm not going to lie, every time I saw him running out there, I held my breath, hoping he wouldn't re-injure that ankle so badly, you know, that he was going to miss, you know, a lot of time uh, going on uh, uh, into the offseason because next for him is getting ready for the draft. You know, unless he wants to come back, which I don't think he—I don't think he's going to. There's a few receivers that are going to that are going to go well, obviously in this draft. I think Waddle can be one of them. So you start to think about his future uh, there. So it was nerve-wracking watching him out there, but I completely, completely understand it. And I'm not going to be the one that sit there and says, "Don't play." You got to be smarter about that because, man, and you know, when when I was that age or even older. And players just want to play. And this is the biggest stage, the biggest game you can get in college football. So I get it, man. I, I absolutely get it. Now, you could say, where were the others in his ear that were saying, you need to be careful here? And I'm sure they were. I'm sure he was getting a whole lot of advice from people looking out for him for the next level that said, Jalen, man, don't do this. But I get it. You know, I, I, I get him wanting to do it. Uh, some will say courageous, some will say dumb. I just say he's doing, I think, what most football players want to do. He's wanted to play ball. 
Landon Dickerson, the center for Alabama. He was your Remington Award winner as a top center in the country. Now, he wasn't going to play. He didn't play in the last game either. He hurt his ACL, and there are some things you're just not going to come back early from. Uh, and he didn't, but I thought it was very cool. He was out there in full uniform, out there in pregame, out there with his fellas. Uh, and when they were in what is considered the greatest formation in all of sports, that's the victory formation, uh, he went out there and he was the center. He got a snap uh, and that victory formation to, to help end the game, which what a moment for him. What a, what a bittersweet moment. It had to just crush him not to be playing, but to be able to go on the field and do that was pretty impressive. So congratulations to both teams, obviously, for getting there, but uh, then to Alabama for you know winning another national championship under Nick Saban. As I said, I don't think he's going to be done. Uh, I think he definitely wants to keep going, but wow, what a year. Undefeated, especially running through the SEC the way they did. And uh, to me, I'm not putting an asterisk uh, in this year. I'm saying, you know, they are the national champs and they deserve uh, every bit of it they got. So kudos to them. Uh, And now college football season ends. So I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now we get to uh, the NFL. We have to finish that out. Moving over there, we had the uh, Super Wild Card Weekend, uh, as they called it. Uh, So we got that going, and I'll I'll just take them in kind of chronological order just a a little bit on each game. You look at the Colts and the Bills, and the Bills were favored in this one and and should have been, and the Bills won this one, uh, 27-24. And I I thought they were the better team for sure. Um, And, you know, I, I think you saw that. Uh, with, uh, you know, with the way Jer- uh, Josh Allen has been playing. And, and kudos to him for Josh Allen. One of the hardest things when you're coming out of college and you have a, a completion percentage and accuracy issue attached to you, that's hard to overcome. But kudos to him and that staff for helping him work through that. He has gotten better and better to a point of being uh, with his name mentioned in MVP circles. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to win it without question. Uh, but but just to have your improve that much to have your name in that and have the year that you had he threw for 324 in this game and a, and a couple of touchdowns uh, as well they were they were just the better team and they're they're the team I think that will be able to and I said this earlier be able to stay with Kansas City and you know we'll get to the to the to the next week's games a little later probably in the week but that's a team at least that can score they can put up points enough uh, to, to kind of hang with Kansas City and have a good enough defense to maybe, you know, stop Kansas City. But we'll see. We still have, a, you know, a bit another round before we get there. But I still think that's the best thing that has the chance. What will be interesting for the Colts going forward, listen, I thought their defense was really good this year, active linebackers uh, that they have. I, I like the way they played up front this year as well. Um, what will happen on offense? Is Phillip Rivers going to come back for another year? Should he come back for another year? 
you know, that, that's going to be the question for them. Who's going to lead them? And if he isn't, is Jacoby Brissett going to go back to being the starting quarterback or are they going to bring uh, someone else into the fray here? We'll have to wait and see on that. But congrats to the Bills. Again, a quarter of a century between the Bills and the Browns, the lack of playoff time they've had. And now for Bills Mafia fans, I mean, good for you. I mean, to be able to cheer this team on and not just, oh, thank God we squeaked into the playoffs and just squeaked by the first game. No, no, no. You're, you're the team that's mentioned as the team that uh, will have its best chance to beat Kansas City. So uh, we'll see how that plays out again. There's, a, there's a, another round before we get there. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. The next game up was the Rams and the Seahawks. And I had picked the Seahawks in this game. It was in Seattle. But, but boy, I tell you what, the most, without question, the way they have been playing toward the end of the year, the Rams and their defense Absolutely incredible. I love this game. This was one of those games that started out low scoring, you know, 3 nothing after the first quarter. Now, 27 points were put up in the second quarter, so it got going a little bit. Only three points again in the third quarter. But I loved this game early. I thought both defenses came out really humming early in this one. But, man, I tell you what, the Rams' defense, I love watching them attack. They end up with five sacks in this game. Aaron Donald not shockingly gets a couple in this one. But how aggressive they were on all levels was incredible. Jalen Ramsey, he was covering DK Metcalf. You know Metcalf was looking to have a big game. He did have five catches for 96 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, But I still think what the Rams did to this team, to this Seattle team, Seattle, I mean, it is still Russell Wilson trying to make so much up. I mean, he just he tries to do everything. I mean, he was second in rushing. He had 50 yards rushing while Chris Carson uh, had 77. But you look at the rushing by the, uh, by the Rams. I mean, Cam Akers, wow. I mean, what he was able to do with 131 yards, average almost five yards a carry. So on offense, they started getting to go. Goff didn't do a whole lot at all. He was under 50% passing the ball. Neither quarterback was good passing the ball. But I credit both defenses for what they've done. Here, so going forward, the Rams go forward. Obviously, uh, in this uh, in, in the playoffs, and they'll they'll be at Green Bay next week. And for Seattle, they still got to help improve that offensive line. You know, a, a running back that they can count on, uh, a tight end that they can count on. Defensively, Jamal Adams had multiple surgeries after the season between a shoulder and a hand. You have arguably the best linebacker in the game in Wagner in Bobby Wagner. And, you know, Carlos Dunlap, I thought, was a really nice pickup for Seattle. So we'll see how that bodes going into next year. So in the then the third game, you had Tampa Bay uh, against the Washington football team. Tampa Bay getting that uh, win 31-23. uh, to I don't think anybody was shocked by that. But, boy, watching uh, Taylor Henneke play, Henneke was was really – Something to watch. He threw for over 300 yards, had that incredible diving touchdown uh, run that he had. Also had a touchdown pass as well. He was he was fun to watch, which really opens up some questions for Washington and what they're going to do at the quarterback position. And, you know, where where is Alex Smith going to be? He was inactive for this game. What What can you hope to get out of him? Because... You know he's just a hit away, not from being devastatingly hurt again, which is something we all hold our breath for and hope that never happens, but just getting nicked up like he did with an ankle, like he did with a calf that keeps him out for games. 
I don't think he's a guy that you can count on for 16 games. So I think they're going to be in the market for a quarterback. Henneke going to get be a guy that's going to get a shot to do that. Again, he was with Rivera in Carolina, so he knows what he can do. Will he at least get a shot maybe to be the backup there? We'll have to wait and see. Tampa Bay, listen, Tampa Bay just doing their thing. They got to do a lot of play action in this one. They ran for 142 yards. The better you run, the better the play action can work. And we know Tom's numbers against play action have been fantastic, but you got to have a pretty efficient running game to be able to sell your play action. Mike Evans was big in this game. So nothing nothing out of the ordinary from Tampa Bay, you know, as far as I'm sure. We all, we all saw them getting through this game. Uh, but now they go to New Orleans and take on the Saints, who I'll get to their game, but they lost both games to the Saints this year. The second one getting completely smacked around where Tom threw three interceptions. So, you know, can uh, it's always interesting on the other side of that when we get to it later in the week. Can a team beat another team three times during the season? That's what New Orleans would have to do. But uh, Tampa Bay not shocking uh, with that win uh, at all. And then in the next game you go, we get to the Sunday games. You start off with the Ravens and the Titans. Ravens winning that one 20-13. And, and everybody was looking at Lamar Jackson. Was he going to get over the hump? Was he going to finally get that playoff win? You're the MVP last year, but then you lose in the playoffs right away. So you start to get judged now on what's next. You're a great player in the regular season. You get the MVP. But if you don't start leading your team to playoff wins and you know victories and ultimately Super Bowl, then, you know, are you going to get that big money and what is your legacy going to be? Lamar is still very young, obviously, and has a long way to go. But I think he he answered some big questions here. Not a monster passing day, only seven incompletions. But they only had they only had 24, uh, only 17 completions, I should say. They had 24 attempts. They ran the ball 35 times. Lamar led the way. 16 carries for 136 yards. This is reminiscent going back to his first year when he was starting, when he took over for Flacco. He was averaging 17, 18 runs a game, and you started thinking, can that hold up? Can he run that many times a game? And at times I think he can, but I don't know if you can average 7, 16, 17, 18 runs a game, but boy, did he get it done in this one. Averaging eight and a half yards a carry, he was the absolute difference on the offensive side, and then from the running standpoint, passing, he and uh, Hollywood Brown really got it going uh, as well, pitching and catching together. So a good win for them. Tennessee, you know, th- this was one of those pick'em games. I actually picked Tennessee in this one. Uh, Tannehill, not over 200 yards passing, credit Baltimore defense, and really credit Baltimore defense. They basically said, Derrick Henry, you are not going to beat us. You're not going to do it. We've seen what you've done. We know what you can do. You're not going to beat us. 18 carries, 40 yards, a season low for him. So Baltimore basically said, you're going to have to pass to beat us. And they were not able to do that as Baltimore gets the win 20 to 13 as they move on. And then the next game was the Bears and the Saints. And in this one, you know, with, with Chicago, Going to New Orleans, you know, I don't think anybody had any hope that they were going to get a win out of this because they don't have an explosive offense by any stretch of the imagination. And basically, for the most part, until the fourth quarter, they had just three points in this game. Now, New Orleans, it's not like they, you know, ran into the 30s and the 40s here. They had 21 points, but the Chicago defense is a good defense, so they hadn't been playing all that well. Uh, uh, Khalil Mack had not 
really been getting to the quarterback a ton, so the defense hadn't been what it had been a year or two ago, but it's still a very good defense when they step it up, and they did for a while in this game. But uh, uh, Alvin Kamara was back. Michael Thomas was back. So you wondered who was going to be back for New Orleans and were they getting healthy at the right time. And it seems like they are getting healthy at the right time. A couple of touchdowns for Drew Brees. Mitch does throw a touchdown. But, you know, let's look at the Chicago. They relied on the running of David Montgomery and they've relied on the receptions by Allen Robinson. They need more. You wonder where the offense that Matt Nagy led a couple of years ago that led him to be coach of the year, where is that? And the biggest question, is Mitchell Trubisky going to be your quarterback? It's a free agent. They declined his fifth-year option. So what are they going to do? Did you see enough to try and sign him to a team-friendly deal that can have an out after maybe a year, maybe two years? Does another team start to throw big money at him? I don't think so. I don't think they do. Um, I have a feeling he's going to stay in Chicago. I don't know if he has a whole lot of leverage for a monster deal, but he could get a pretty good deal but I do think it'll be more on the friendly side of the deal for the team where they could have an out in a year or so and Mitch will have to prove himself uh, again in that situation. So, and, um, you know, as far as Matt Nagy, you know, and, and Ryan Pace, are they going to be around as well? I think it's a tenuous situation in Chicago. They all may have, one, they all may get one more year uh, together to see what's going to happen. Uh, before anything changes. And for the Saints, you know, we'll see. Third time, uh, they get them in New Orleans against Tampa Bay this coming weekend. So we'll see. Again, they played twice this year in week one. New Orleans won uh, 34-23. And in week nine in Tampa, New Orleans smoked them 38-3. Drew th- threw four touchdowns, no interceptions. Tom threw three interceptions and no touchdowns. So I think Tampa Bay will obviously be better than that. And it is difficult to beat the same team three times in one year. So that's what New Orleans has looking uh, looking ahead. And then in what had to be just the head scratcher game of the week of the weekend, the Browns and the Steelers, and the Browns just just dismantled Pittsburgh, who had not been playing well at all. Remember, this team was eleven and zero. 11 and 0. We all were wondering how far can they go, you know, undefeated. And then they end up obviously not undefeated. <laughs> they start playing horrible. The old line wasn't blocking as well. They got nicked up. The running game wasn't going. They got nicked up. The receivers were dropping balls left and right. Ben wasn't Ben. The defense, I like the defense for sure, but they got nicked up a little bit as well. And but it was okay. Cleveland gets into the playoffs on the last week of the season and beating Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh doesn't have Ben Roethlisberger as another sit here. So here you got supposedly, you know, basically a full-strength Pittsburgh team uh, playing the Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh. You're thinking Cleveland, 18 years, they haven't been in the postseason, happy to be there. What are you going to get from these guys? Uh, And Pittsburgh, uh, you know, certainly playoff-savvy team, and all you got was mistake after mistake after mistake from the Pittsburgh Steelers, including a Pouncey, the center, who's been an all-pro pro bowler almost every year, has been healthy, snaps the ball over Ben's head right in the beginning, uh, lose the ball, get a touchdown for Cleveland, four interceptions and fumbles later, five turnovers. Cleveland gets the 48-37 win. I mean, and that's a team that feeds so much on emotion because of their young, very emotional quarterback. And Baker didn't disappoint. Three touchdowns, 
didn't turn the ball over at all. The running attack gets over four yards of carry. You, you spread it out to seven different receivers passing the ball. So what a, what a great – and I grew up in Cleveland, so I grew up a Browns fan, so I grew up in misery. So to see Cleveland do this, hadn't been there since, what, 2002 – and then to get a win, I think everybody thought, oh, they got in now. Okay, next year maybe they can do a little bit more. But, hey, and not only to win, but beat the Steelers, a team that they haven't won at Heinz Field in forever. So now all of a sudden they get, they get a win at Heinz Field in the playoffs. I think this is going to do a ton for this Browns team, especially going into the next year. They have Kansas City this week in Kansas City. I don't think anybody's going to pick them. But as we just saw, who the hell knows what can happen. We will see. As for Pittsburgh, what's the question mark going to be there? How does that old line come back? Does everybody come back? Is Ben going to come back? We have seen Ben time and time again. I'm not sure. if Ben has a little bit of drama to him. There's no doubt about it. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? He wasn't playing that well, but others weren't playing that well as well. Is the Steelers, as we currently know them, is that going to be changing a lot? And that means starting at the quarterback position. And where do they go if, in fact, that's going to be over? So that, to me, is a very interesting story going on into the offseason. So those are the wild card weekends. So coming up this week, and I'll do it a little later in the week, you have Los Angeles at Green Bay, Baltimore at Buffalo. That's the AFC, or I'm going to say that's the NFC AFC on Saturday. Sunday it's Cleveland at Kansas City and then Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Should be an incredible matchup we'll talk about a little bit later, but uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the NFL playoffs and enjoyed the College Football National Championship last night. And again, congrats to Alabama and Ohio State both for being there, but then to Alabama for, you, you got the crown, you are the kings yet again of college football. And oh, by the way, not shockingly, slight favorites to win it all again next year. So, uh, enjoy. Uh, we'll talk a little later this week about the games coming up this weekend and obviously some other sports as well, but I just wanted to dive in to the football. Uh, everybody enjoy your time.